They're back on the Football Outside the Box podcast, where we discuss the past, the present, and the future of football. Early kickoff for your side, Man United against Everton. Early on, and boy, Everton, they did the business midweek, or Monday, I should say, against Tottenham. A last-minute screamer from the boy Michael Keane, of all people. And not to mention, he gave away a penalty right before that. Can we have some similar business from Everton against Man United? And not to mention the guys from Carrington. So, he's he's grown up very well and done us a big favor. But he can relax now because, you know, I mean... I've never seen a centre-back score that kind of goal, let alone Michael Keane. Right? Company. I think... Vincent Company, the only one. Okay, and maybe Jack Yelka against Liverpool like 10 years ago. But that pretty much speaks volumes as to these things don't happen, if not at all, not often, right? So um, a lot's been made about Ducore's red card. I mean, I, I know your opinion on it. I mean... Wait, what's you... my opinion? That it was a justified red card, right? But, it was, it was. well, I mean, because people, you know, love to dish out some comments on, on Harry Kane's reactions. Nothing wrong with his reactions. I mean, I know you have, you might have a problem. I know you have a bit of a problem with that. Not just because he's a Tottenham player, but... Mostly I mean, because. Okay, mostly <laughs> because, but it, it's a bit of theatrics, right? I mean, that's what's something you want to get out of in, in the game, but... Unfortunately, that's how that's how the game is at the moment. If you go down, your likelihood of getting the result that you want just tenfolds almost, right? So, um, two two teams, both teams, gonna be missing crucial players. Um, of course, Casemiro is serving his last game suspension. Um, Ducore has been crucial uh, since Sean Dyche came in. I mean, they've been operating in the midfield three. He's been the the attacking pushing forward role. Um, so I'm. I mean, he's not suffered a season-ending injury or anything like that, right? So I'm glad he'll be missing this game. Fair enough. I mean, Dokore has proven to be a valuable player for Everton, especially in recent matches for the Shandaich tactics. But I want to touch back on that Kane theatrics earlier. Yes, it pissed me off because he's a Tottenham player, but what pisses me off the most on a general scheme of it all is the fact that the refs allow this type of shit to happen. They just, like, they fall for it blatantly. But then they miss the ones that, or miss the the times where the player isn't doing the theatrics. It's just, it baffles me how they just almost, you know, turn a blind eye to that. But anyways. But I mean, what what can you do, right? As a a referee, you see a player going, I mean, I I see that sometimes, though. Sometimes a player dives and and the referee just lets it go. You know, we we, we see those, right? They, They do their... Their motions with with their arms and say no, not not enough, or uh, it's a dive. But I mean, I just don't really see a a solution to it. I mean, you you fault the game of the game itself and the rule itself is written to favor players to go down. You know, if you're in a yeah. if you're in a sticky situation, try and get a foul. Right, that's. That's something that would benefit you, right? That you just going down compared to, I don't know, something like American football where 
you you're heavily discouraged from going down because then the play is over. So I, I just don't really see. I don't know if you have any opinions on this, but I, I just don't really see any way or work around this issue of players going to ground so easily. And I mean, unless we change the rules, just 180 degrees, but I, I don't want to get to that. No, I actually want to hear from you guys, from the, the viewers and the listeners out there. I want you guys to tell us, what do you think are some ways that we can prevent this from happening in the future? But to move past those theatrics on, let's focus on the game a little bit here now. Man United versus Everton. Man United, off the back of, I would say, a combat victory against Brentford because of what happened in that first fixture, in the reverse leg. But... They couldn't, they couldn't mount up to the four goals that they conceded. But hey, what matters at this point is yeah, three the three points. points. Unfortunately, from your standpoint, you still couldn't overcome Newcastle with a convincing victory against West Ham as well on the day. They maintained that third place spot. Do you guys see yourself clinching the third place spot? Or you think fourth is going to be just where you nick it? I don't care whether we come in third, fourth. They do the same thing. Before it was um fourth place had to go through through the playoffs, right? So it, it kind of mattered, but I, I don't care at this point. It's um Newcastle have got some tough pitch fixtures coming up. They go to Brentford. Uh Brentford haven't lost this season at home, other than against Arsenal. So I'm expecting them to get a result there. Them meaning Brentford. And in two, three weeks' time, they invite Tottenham, who is another top four competitor. So, I mean, we have some tough schedules too, and we have we still have to go to Spurs. We have to go to Brighton. We have to uh, play Chelsea. We'll touch on Chelsea later at home. But all the fixtures are are piling up, and they're uh, very tough on all three teams. And third or fourth, I don't really care. I'll I'll take either or um, because the gap to second or or to the title is too big now. Right, yeah. You just kind of have that little range that you're working with. So how do you try and impose yourself on this game? Because I think even though this game, compared to the ones you just mentioned as far as the whole schedule goes, is not one of the ones that pop out at you, but it's such a crucial game. It's so important because you don't get the result here. Then all the talk is flipped again. Wow, Man United dropped points. What's going on? What's up with Ten Hag? Right after the loss against Newcastle as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm scared. I mean, Demari Gray has been working great as the, I guess you could call it a false nine, and they've kind of reverted back to the traditional wing play. Um, pushing it will be out wide. I I would probably assume it will be placed more central, knowing that Decor is out this game. But I mean, realistically, we have to beat Everton. I'm expecting that as well. I just they're going to be hard to break down. Um, crucial not to concede at at any stage of the game. It's, I mean, going up against Everton, defending their, if if they are defending on one goal lead, it's just, that's the last thing you want to play against. Yep, especially with Sean Dyche as manager. And you mentioned he will be playing more centrally. He has impressed there, in my opinion, centrally. And that's a player that I was very glad to get out of Arsenal, especially <laughs> for the price tag yeah. that it was. 30 million, looking yeah. back, is, is wow. <laughs> no, yeah, Everton got robbed with that. <laughs> No, even what do you mean at the time? I mean, even looking at it, you know, 
I, I think everybody said you guys robbed Everton when um when when the price was announced. So yeah, for sure. But as far as this game goes, if you're looking at it from if you are to make a bet on this match, what are you saying? What are you envisioning? I, I'm expecting a home win. It's it's simple as. Um, haven't lost at home since the first game of the season. It's uh, only in the league, but yeah, it's it, it has to be a win. A Man United win. You heard it from him, guys. You heard it from the man himself. So if you're making any, any bets, throw that one out there. Maybe. We don't know. But anyways, moving on to my most favorite side, my most hated side. Yo, we need to we need to definitely change that talk. They host Brighton in a match where I'm hoping that Brighton can show their class, show their quality and collect some points against Tottenham. I'd love to see it. But the question is, can they? You know, if Brighton managed to get a result here, whether it be three points or one point, it is in their hands now to gazump Tottenham in the league table. And that w- that has to motivate the Brighton players. Uh, just Tottenham at home are not, you know, going to Tottenham is not a, it's not a fortress. Let's, let's put it that way. Tottenham have suffered quite a few defeats there already this season. Uh, one against Liverpool, Newcastle, Villa. Um, almost lost the leads, but I mean, they pulled the results out. But Brighton have been nothing short of impressive, right? The The problem was with, with the goal scoring and also conceding quite a few goals. It seems as though they, they've kind of reverted back to conceding a lot of goals in, in recent fixtures, but wow, I mean, they're scoring for fun. That's even without Trussard. Yeah, I mean, Brighton have always had the quality. They've always had the system, the recruitment, the development, the integration. Everything is just always seems to be coming together for them, no matter who is in charge, no matter what. And that's a big, 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 big up to the board. (laughs) (laughs) It really is, though. It's a big, big, big big something. Yeah, big, big, big Big, something. For real, because, I mean, we, we're so often we're here talking about, like, look on Chelsea, for example. We'll talk about them next, but no matter, or even Tottenham, no matter who comes in, they can't get the job done. And Brighton is the complete opposite. So, you know, let, let's even talk about Tottenham for a bit now, looking on that. How the hell do they manage? They're looking at bringing back in Pochettino. They're, they don't have a manager at the moment. It's just... Well, well, hear me out. This is never going to happen, right? But Tottenham have went a certain way. Um, they've appointed Jose Mourinho, and then they've—I mean, there is a small matter of Nuno, um, who I—I I, I don't know what that was for, but that only lasted a few months. And then they brought in Antonio Conte, right? Clearly, they're going for the proven winners. You know, try to get them over that hump, and then it's failed, failed spectacularly. Now. Would Graham Potter be able to work at Tottenham? Because I, I don't think that's the, the way they've been working. I don't think that's the way they should be aiming towards, you know, going to, looking to win right now. Um, I, I think it's time for them to not rebuild, but 
build and grow the team again, right? And and what better manager than, I mean, I sound foolish because he's failed so bad at Chelsea, but, and that's why also why I don't think it's ever going to happen. But I just think that that type of manager who, who can grow along with the team is somebody that they should be going for. You know, I thought about it, but I never wanted to put the energy into the into the universe. So I just <laughs> left it. But I mean, yeah, on paper, it, it seems a fit. A, a Graham Potter who's trying to prove everybody wrong after this stint with Chelsea. I still don't like calling it a failure, though. I feel like we were we just gave him no time as a as a fan base, as a community, a football in the footballing world. We just it's become no it's normalized now to just dash managers out after just a few a few matches, a few months and just say, Oh yeah, they weren't good enough. Bye, see you. and we as as a fan base, especially for a young manager like Graham Potter, we just hear, Oh, he got his chance with Chelsea and he got sacked. Didn't work out. Without truly seeing the bigger picture. The man never had any any say over the transfers. He was a head coach, not the manager, actually, technically. He barely got a season. He didn't even get he didn't even have his own transfer window properly. He had the winter transfer window. So I still think it was early. It could that could be an opportunity for him at Tottenham to prove everybody wrong. And I forget who said it. I think it was I think it was Jamie Redknapp who was talking about Tottenham needing a style as opposed to somebody who's just a winner. And you're you know, you're right. It it could be that could just be it right there. Potter has a style and can fit a team needing a style, needing a lift. Potter has a style of not scoring goals, if that's what you're asking. But... <laughs> I mean, it could fit well with a guy who scores plenty goals, Harry Kane. Can he make a difference in this one? Uh, he's been the only difference point for uh, for Tottenham. So, yeah, I mean, Lucas Moura came on and I mean, he got a red card. I don't know if I would agree if that was a red card. It looked I mean, kind of nasty, though, but... I mean, I, I guess I guess studs up, but I mean, he's going for the ball, you know what I mean? Um, Fair yeah. enough. Either way, he doesn't he doesn't affect the game. He hasn't even been playing that much. Um, I'll take a draw here for, for Tottenham, Brighton, and Brighton are sneakily close to the top four position, so I don't want them to get too confident or too close either. Um... I, I just have a feeling that Tottenham are going to sneak out a win some way, some form, some some shape or form, just like they've been doing this whole season. And everything will be looking all right again at Tottenham, I think, after this game. For the time being. So that's not like what you want, but what do you think is going to happen? No, I want a draw to happen, but I think Tottenham are going to win this game. And can we basically... Bank on Hurricane scoring. I feel like that's that's a given right there. Yeah, I mean, Brighton have recently had a change in the in their goalkeeping situation. I don't know what the reason is exactly, but I think it's down to Robert Sanchez being a bit too lackadaisical, a bit too casual when playing out from the back. I mean, his long balls are great, but it's the it's the passes to you know to the nearby to the center backs to the fullbacks and. Uh, to be honest, I don't know if that's enough to keep out a, a good keeper out of the side for a, a lesser quality of a keeper in Jason Steele. 
Uh, I mean, he did well against Bournemouth in the, in the midweek, but I, I think if you're just comparing quality between those two, I mean, Sanchez is is a Spanish national team keeper. I know he doesn't start, but he he's a national team keeper for Spain, whereas Jason Steele is just a loanee, right? And I just think in terms of not just distribution itself, but actually distribution, I think Jason Steele is on par, uh, except for the long balls. But in terms of, you know, what the goalkeeper is supposed to do, keep the ball out of the net. I mean, maybe there's something more than that behind the scenes with with him and the manager. Um, Sanchez doesn't look happy um, in, in, in on the bench, of course, who would be? And yeah, I think that's something to keep an eye out for. That's interesting stuff. So based on what you're saying, sounds like you're going for a, or you think what's going to happen, a Tottenham win. And yeah, looking like that's, that might be it. I, I am not going to say that. I am actually going to go with a draw on this one. I think you're going to get your wish and the draw is going to happen. But we spent a lot of this much talking about Graham Potter. Let's track over to his former club, the one that he just got sacked from. Chelsea against Wolves. That's where they're traveling to this weekend. And boy, their backup plan... Frank Lampard. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, it is, it is pretty funny. It is funny, um, bro. I mean, what is going through their head? They just it's look like they're just taking actions with no plans. Well, I mean, to a certain extent, it does, right? You sack a manager at this stage of the season. I mean, it's it's all but all but gone, right? Is Frank Lampard? Are they hoping he can? win the Champions League for some reason. Um, I mean, we've seen worse managers win win the competition overall, right? So, I mean, who knows? Uh, you're, you're not really sitting here telling me you think Frank Lampard is going to carry Chelsea to the Champions no, 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 no. I'm just saying weird things have happened. Weirder things have happened than that in, in football. So, can we agree, though, that Chelsea just don't have a plan? In this case, no. I think this is probably the first sensible thing and a reasonable thing that they've done. They, as in the owners. Realistically, who's going to come into this Chelsea side at the moment? I know they've been linked with two big managers, uh, Nagelsmann and, and Luis Enrique. Both, I mean, one's one of trouble. The other's a very young tactical guru, apparently. But why would they come into this mess in the middle of, this, of a lost season? when you can wait a, a month or two, come in the summer, have a fresh slate of, of start. And Chelsea can bring in a legend in Frank Lampard that, you know, fans still love him, right? Even though it ended a bit sour, they still love him. And Frank Lampard, on the other hand, he's also got a point to prove. If he does well, who knows? Maybe he'll get a, another offer in, in the Premier League. So I, I don't think, okay, the, the season's already lost. So just forget that. So in terms of that, I I don't think it's a lose lose situation like like people are like the popular opinion that is right now right it's it's and it's still it's funny I I I'll give you that it's funny but I I don't think it's as bad as you know the popular opinion and and the media are making out to be. I mean I hear in the fact that who else will take over, but then my question is why not just keep Potter. Why not just keep him for the rest of the season at that point? 
what's the sense in having a caretaker manager coming in for the last 10 games with a manager who has literally had the attempt already and didn't deliver? So, I mean, I know I said that earlier about not giving Potter enough time, but I felt, felt Lampard's situation was way different than Potter's. But yet we're giving the guy another chance over the guy who still didn't get his chance? Just doesn't add up. Why not just keep Potter? Well, I, I, I guess we'll never know exactly why they decided to sack him now. Um, it was well published that the Leeds and the Dortmund game were pivotal and he ended up winning both of them. So he, he stayed on for a bit longer. But I think the main thing that I've been hearing from, you know, the reading the articles and uh, listening to a Chelsea correspondence, it's just that there was no progress, right? You had that small winning streak. They, they won against Leicester too. Um, but, you know, ever, ever since that, you had the 2-2 draw at home against Everton. 2-0. Unlucky, albeit, against um, defeat against Aston Villa. And I think at a certain point, there is only so much the board can do for a manager, right? Uh, there's reports of players calling him Harry Potter and making references to Hogwarts behind his back. Cannot be good for... That doesn't seem like a healthy environment for, for the manager to get anything out of. And on top of that, it's just... <sighs> Okay, I'll give you that. That part doesn't make sense. Why they decided to sack him now after all those times. Right. Yeah, and it just seemed like they were telling everybody that Potter is their guy. And that is exactly why I said in the last episode, I don't see him getting sacked this season. But little did I know, these uh, the the two new owners, um, Ekbali and, and Boli, are... Are, are even more clueless than, than I thought, maybe. Right, they're losing the trust with the fan base now. It's like, no, whoever next they bring in, all the Chelsea fans are probably just thinking, well, when's he going to leave? Because it's just only a matter of time at this point. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're going to you're gonna have your time where you go. Because it's like, for them, it's, you need to be constantly winning. They don't understand the whole, the whole thing about process and, and system. But... Hey, let's let's swing back to the match a little bit. Both these sides, Chelsea and Wolves, are winless in their last three matches. Are we gonna see a change? I mean, to be honest, we don't need to spend much on this on this game. I mean, Wolves are in a relegation battle. Chelsea are well stuck in mid table. I'll just point out this one interesting fact, though. Back in two years, two years and two months ago, when Frank Lampard got sacked, he was preparing to face. Wolves and facing a Champions League knockout stage. He comes so is back. This like, is this like the turnaround? This is like the new dimension. I mean, just just to forget about the dates. I mean, this is pretty much the exact same situations that he's come into. Although that game was at Stamford Bridge, but uh, this weekend is going to be at, at Molyneux. So that that bit of difference. But you know, football has its own ways of of writing articles and narrative and stories and. Just very funny and very interesting. That's quite interesting, actually, because it's almost like, you know, I watched a movie the other day about traveling through multiverses. And I wonder if this is like a Frank Lampard 
coming into a new universe or multiverse or whatever, and he's he's now set to just have a complete opposite reaction. Wolves, but this time it's not at home, it's actually away, so that's the whole swap. That could be interesting for real. You know what? Because of that, if I was making a bet on this one, I would throw up like I would throw up a Chelsea win. A Chelsea like convincing win, actually. Well, Lampard has never had a problem with scoring, right? And that's that's the biggest problem with Chelsea right now. So what are you saying? I'm gonna go two, three nil. I mean, sure. Who who cares, <laughs> right? Who cares who wins this yeah, game? It doesn't it doesn't bother any of us, so Fuck it. Moving on to a side that we do care about the result of. But you Man care City. about. I care. I care. Well, you care as well. But uh-huh. Man City yeah. travel to Southampton. They. We need, you know, we need the Saints to be marching. We need the Saints to be marching against City in the late kickoff on Saturday. But my gut and my brain is telling me that the Saints are going to be marching away from a victory. Yeah, I, uh, you remember in back in January, they actually beat uh, City in the in the Carabao Cup. Or is it the EFL Cup? I don't know exactly what it's called. And They change the name like every year, bro. Yeah. <laughs> it, you get what I mean. I know it as Carling Cup. That's why I know it as really. That, that, that's, that's the name I grew up learning and, and watching. And and then it went to um there was something in between Carlin Cup and then the EFL Cup and the Carabao Cup. There was something in between. Yeah, but there was. I'm trying to remember what it is, but Capital One Cup. Capital One Cup. That's exactly That's it. what it was. That's it, Capital One. But um focusing back on the Premier League, Southampton stacked uh Nathan Jones. They're still bottom of the Premier League. Only two wins to their results column. One against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, which doesn't look that impressive this season. And the other against Leicester. Again, not that impressive considering their form. And they went to West Ham uh, on last weekend and were handed a narrow defeat uh, by a single goal from Aguerd. I just don't really see how Southampton are going to get anything from this game. Knowing that City are going to be up for it, uh, a bit of a factor of revenge from the EFL Cup added to it as well. And Southampton don't really have fit center halves other than Bednarek. Uh, Bella Kotchup's injured. Salisu's had a knock. So we'll see if he even makes a comeback for it. I just... and They even have to... um. Ainsley McNeilas, he's had to deputize at center back in, in some games for them. They're just a big mess right now. And now, if I were you, I wouldn't be banking too much on Southampton getting anything from this game. Oh, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I'm banking on is the new manager bounce, which has proven effective several times this season. It's been, it's been quite a while, and they're just not good enough. Southampton, they should be going down. Uh, I, I I think they're going to go down and this game will be very, very tough for them. I mean, I feel Who for them. You? 
I feel for them. They've they've had what three managers this season. So, who are some players that if they were to get relegated, you would want to pick up from them? I don't think I need to name James Ward Pros as one, but well, I I don't think he's gonna leave. Actually, he's signed a new long term contract, almost signaling his intent to remain loyal to Southampton. Now, I mean, Reno doesn't really mean anything, right? Um, he, he could still uh, depart Southampton if he if the situations change. I mean, now he's not. I mean, he should be playing the Premier League, right? But he's pretty old, you know. He's just gonna come in as as um as a squad player, which I'm fine with. But I don't know if he's worth spending that much money for. There are two players I would be looking out for. Alcaraz, I mentioned to him. I mentioned you. Uh, about him um, in our Several game and I, times. yeah and I watched the Leicester game as well um there's talks of Lavia I'm like I mean maybe I don't know I don't I'm not too impressed by him the other one might surprise you a little bit is the right back from Chelsea Livermento he's been out with a long-term injury uh so I just I don't really see anybody going in for him who knows what what form he's going to be in but before the injury he was he was tearing up the the right hand side for Southampton last season, so I think those two players are what I'm looking at really. Um, but they have they've signed a lot of young players, right? And I think I could see them possibly getting raided this summer. Yeah, that's that's probably going to be an area of targeting for the bigger sides come the end of the season. But finally. The final match on Sunday, the prime time fixture, Liverpool versus Arsenal at Anfield. It's going to be tough, but if I want to play them at any moment, now is the time to play them. I'm nervous. I'm nervous myself. I need Liverpool to win, but Thiago's coming back. He loves playing against Arsenal. I don't know if you noticed, but he loves... He always comes back against Arsenal for some reason. I mean, he's been out since, um, I think, February. And he'll be a big boost to the midfield. I, I don't know how, how fit he's going to be. I don't even know if he's going to start. But if he does, he's going to be a big boost. I, I know their form has been bad, but I, I will be pretty confident that Liverpool are... I, I'm pretty confident that Liverpool are going to get a win here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, to tell you the truth, I'm nervous. Because, as we say, it doesn't really matter what form they're in. Anfield is just always a difficult place to go. And I think that's going to be playing in the minds of the Arsenal players. I'm just hoping that Arteta can really get across to the players that there's no need to be fearful in this match. And that we can kind of shift the, shift the perspective to, yo, we are the untapped team this time. Because I think that's the mental switch right there. We feel like we're less than them when we go there. But no, we're, we are the ones who are better. We this, are the winning yeah. team. This season, Martin, yeah. This season, right. But that's what I mean. That's what matters, right? No, this is the match that matters. doesn't matter what happened 10 years ago. It matters what happened. No. And Martinelli, I'm feeling, is going to have a killer match this time. Well, there was a... I think there was something in the... Was it all or nothing? The documentary where um he Arteta played the 
the, you'll never walk alone in 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 training. Yep, and, with the speakers, the big speakers. And yeah, and that ended up being okay, right? I think that was the game for the the Carabao Cup, if I'm not mistaken, where Xhaka got sent off early on, and Arsenal defended heroically. But it's gonna be a bit different than that, right? You, you of course, you're gonna have to be defensively very solid, but I think, like you said. You have to kind of be able to go at them, go at Liverpool, and that is something that you, along with many other Arsenal fans, have probably not seen since what? Since twenty, since a decade ago, almost. So, it, it's about whether the players can also, like you said, players can get over that mindset of, yeah, we've been coming here getting beat four, five, six nil over the past few years. But this is different, right? And it can't be any more different, right? It's 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 a stark contrast to, I mean, who, whoever saw this coming, you know, Arsenal being on top, Liverpool sitting in ninth, so or eighth, sorry, because Brentford lost um, against us. Yeah, it's a very intriguing matchup. Yeah, I said it to I, I called on you guys to say that you guys have to put in that that. You guys have to impose yourself on that game against Everton. I think the same goes for us here. We have to impose ourselves. I think even more than you guys have to impose. Because again, as we keep coming back to that mental, it's all about the mental, this one. Skill-wise, we have them. Pound for pound, player for player, we have them. The team, the manager, the structure, everything, we are better than them right now. It's just about up here in the mind. And that's the difference. And I am fully confident that Arteta is going to instill a proper mindset for this one, as he has done throughout the, the whole season so far. Will both teams score? I mean, history will tell you yes. So I'm going to also say yes, based on just the sides, the sides in general. I think I think that one has to be a given. I think there's no clean sheet happening in this one for either side. Okay. Put the overs as well if you're betting because this is goals galore. The overs are 2.5, meaning you would have to score three total between those between two sides. Between the two sides, which is not that hard. Think about it. 2-1 is over 2.5. Yeah, I think I would smash over on that as well. It's... um. Even in the reverse fixture, 3-2. A very enticing game. Could have I had mean, more what goals. Has been, right? It could have been more goals. But what has been the, the, the running for these two sides for the past however many matches? Well, I just remember that. I think it was like 6-4, 6-3 maybe in the in the League Cup. As well as there was one in the, in the league where Liverpool thrashed. It was around Christmas time. It was like 6-2 maybe. But... Yeah, historically, I think Arsenal-Liverpool matches are the ones with the most goals scored, if I'm not mistaken. I think I remember hearing yes. that. Yeah. Yes, look on the last five fixtures here. No, we have... Back it, we'll start from, from the, the furthest back. We have 3-1, 3-0, 4-0, and 3-2. That's a lot of goals. <laughs> that is a lot of goals over the course of five games. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Unlike Liverpool, Chelsea, 
they just can't seem to stop scoring these two teams against each other. And that will be the 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 light for us at the end of the tunnel that Chelsea was able to keep a clean sheet against them. So that will be some some positive news for for Arsenal. That's all we have time for today. Guys, thanks for tuning in as always. We hope you enjoyed your time with us. Remember to subscribe, to leave comments, and share with your friends. Follow us on social media at FOTBPod. Don't forget to leave a review, rating, and most importantly, don't forget to turn on those notifications. Join us again next time as we discuss the highly anticipated upcoming Premier League action. Thanks again as always. See you then.